Welcome to the Grow People Podcast. Kipriesu. Kipro Yesu. Kipriesu. Kipro Yesu. Kipro Yesu. There you go. Uh, which is uh, Praise Jesus in Turkana. We're back. That is Pastor Jason. I'm David Stein, campus pastor at our Canton location. Purpose of the Grow People Podcast is to help grow people. What a trip. Now, can you say grow people in Swahili? Um, yes. Or love Jesus grow people? Yes. Um, if I only had, if you were only wearing the t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it again? Um, Penda Yesu Kuzuwatu. Penda Yesu Kuzuwatu. Yeah. Love Jesus grow people. And we had t-shirts that said that. Yes. Uh, on the trip. Um, what, a, what an experience. Uh, what an amazing time um, to visit with the House of Hope to see the churches that because of your generosity, generosity, I've heard it both. That's, that's, that's it. We're, we're a little jet lagged. Well, yeah. Now you're trying to speak multiple languages and it's messing up your ability to speak your native language. If, if, yeah. if Sean Connery said generosity. Yeah. Um, that was pretty good. Well, yeah. that's short impressions are always the best. Yeah. Once you start trying to, speak sentences yeah. in, in an impression. It you never, it, it never works. I feel like they all turn into one language. Yeah. Like even my kids, they'll try to speak, you know, like British or a Canadian or Australian or even Asian. And mm-hmm. they all start blending into one. Mm-hmm. Like I do a great uh, Tony Danza from who's the boss. Oh yeah. yeah. Come on, Angela. That's it. That's the, that's the impression. That's yeah. yeah. Cause you can't go any further. Um, yeah. What an, what an incredible trip and uh, so grateful to be able to go to the revolution churches, to meet the revolution pastors, to do uh, all of this through our partner, Serve International. And we're going to talk about that uh, today. And uh, glad to be back. Yeah. For those that don't know, um, myself, Pastor David, uh, my wife, Lindsay, a um, couple of pe- people from our team, Mason, Allie, and then actually my son went this time, some people from our church. We were just in Kenya, Africa, for 10 days. Uh, we left um, Friday. Was Friday the 16th. Friday the 16th. Was. Came back uh, just a couple Monday of days ago. Monday afternoon. Yeah. And uh, long trip. Yeah. Lots of sitting in planes and land cruisers and <laughs> various modes of transportation. Yes. Yes. Uh, picture your worst road here in Cherokee County. Uh, or 285. Two, picture 285 and the potholes on 285. Yeah, 285 is pretty bad. That was a dream to come back to. <laughs> <laughs> but but there is an there is an interesting thing about the roads. Um, so where we have most of our ministry is in the northwest portion mm-hmm. of Kenya. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking if you're looking at your hand, you you people from Michigan, you're always looking at your hand. True. Um, so your uh, index finger yeah, would, point. would be... If you're looking at your right hand, not your left. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so your uh, index finger would be Turkana. And and the last time you were there four years ago prior to COVID, like the month before COVID, mm-hmm. there were no roads. Yeah, they had just started. Um, for those of people that are unaware of geo- geopolitical things, uh, the country of China... Um, has basically made a deal with Kenya and a lot of other countries around the world. This isn't a geopolitical message, um, but um, they made a deal with these with a lot of countries where they'll come in and build infrastructure for mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. things like roads and other things, in turn for getting their mineral rights and being able to build a base and other things. And so short term, it's a good thing um, for a lot of areas like Lodwar who, um, and Kenya is the country. Turkana is like the County. Mm-hmm. Uh, so think Cherokee County and then Lodwar is the city, um, where, you know, it's by before it would take about a 24 hour drive from Nairobi to get there. Cause there was no paved roads. Mm-hmm. Now you can do it. I've been told in about eight or nine hours. Um, so China has come in and built a lot of asphalt roads and which again, initially is good long-term. I don't think it's going to be good for the country of Kenya. Um, but yeah, it has changed drastically in four years since we went, uh, we went in February of 2020 
And where when we were coming back, that's when the world was starting to shut down. So we hadn't seen it since then, uh, or Lindsay and I hadn't seen it, served, <clears throat> taken a couple trips since then. Um, but yeah, it was quite different um, because there are paved roads, there's night lights and like, you know, some sidewalks and stuff, which is kind of funny because Nairobi is the capital mm-hmm. and Nairobi, I mean, Nairobi is an international city and there's parts of Nairobi, like downtown that are nice. Uh, they actually have a kind of cross country uh, toll road now, yeah. like we have here mm-hmm. in, in, in Turkey County, like going down into Atlanta. So there's parts of it that are nice, but then even in Nairobi, there's parts of it that are just, they are slums and the worst roads in the world. I mean, they're just horrible. Um, so it was kind of this weird dichotomy because we were in Nairobi for a couple of days mm-hmm. first and then went to Lodwar and then went out to the villages from Lodwar, which are like the sand, like yep. no roads out, out into the desert. It's off-roading. Yes. Um, so there were times where we'd be on good roads and then there were times where we'd be on, uh, and not even just potholes. I was explaining this to somebody, yeah. the way they build roads is they don't do it the way we do, like pack it down and, um, and kind of go from, they just put down like big rocks and big, then they big throw ro- big rocks, yeah. not, not crusher stone. No. Um, and then just kind of throw dirt on it. Well then over time, that washes away. And so you got these big rocks and potholes. So Mm -hmm. you have like potholes in the ground and then protrusions above the ground. (laughs) So you're going, yeah, you're going over elevation changes of at least a foot all the time. So you're you're being jostled around, uh, which, which brings up, how was that on your health? How was, how's that on your back, your hip? I was fine. Yeah. Back and hip were great. Um, so I had no, and again, I've been there, you know, this was our fourth time with revolution, uh, or with serve, I should say. Um, so, but our fifth time total. So I've been there many times mm-hmm. and kind of knew what to expect. So yeah, hip and back were great. I didn't have any health issues from that perspective. I felt bad for you. Uh, <laughs> I think you probably had the worst time from anybody else. I, I, what he's talking about is I have a hernia that is about to be repaired yeah. uh, on March 12th. And that when, when you're being jostled around like that for four to six hours a day and you're holding on for, you're you're holding on for dear life (laughs) and and, and you're constricting. Yeah. So if it, if it were not for that, I I think I would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, The, uh, I I never got to a pain level that was unbearable. Yeah. Uh, Uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And and everybody's so kind. And Jackson, your son, and all the guys on the trip, you uh, carrying my bag. So, because I'm not allowed to carry anything. And everybody's asking me, how you doing? And and I I was fine. Yeah. Just uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. Again, for those that haven't been there, and we want you to kind of picture this. When we get picked up from in, from the airport, the one of the serves guys there's named Thomas. He actually owns a travel company mm-hmm. um, and does safaris and that kind of stuff. And so think like it's bigger than they have vehicles there that we don't have here in America. Most of them are Toyota. So think of like uh, it's a bigger than a minivan, but it's a van. And um, so being in the van wasn't too bad because you have yeah. individual kind of buckets and you're facing front and you're facing front. But once we get to Lodwar. Um, serve has two land rovers or land, land, land cruisers, land, land cruisers. Yeah. Um, which is what, again, almost everybody there drives some kind of Toyota and land cruisers are very, very popular. And I joked with you, like, this is why, where you see why land cruisers were made. Mm-hmm. They weren't made for Alpharetta. No, <laughs> you unless know? you have a gravel driveway. <laughs> exactly. Not, not <laughs> if you drive a Range Rover or Land Rover, we're saying you're, you know, you are, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your vein. Uh, we're not saying that, but what I'm getting at is it's like the only vehicle that would do what needs to be done uh, just yeah. with the terrain there. Mm-hmm. And so they're amazing vehicles, but yeah, the land cruisers uh, and they're longer wheelbase. It's, but in the, so you have the driver and then one seat up front and in the back, you have bench seats on the sides facing each other, facing each other. And room for six. Yeah. But we had eight. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, that's another thing. And Any, sometimes 10. Yeah. Some, anybody that's traveled to other countries, other cultures knows that 
personal space is a uniquely American thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't translate to other cultures. Um, and I say that not as like judgmental in any way. I, it really is a unique thing. Mm -hmm. And, and again, I love my personal space, but as Americans, we're just spoiled, honestly, yeah. because we have our own vehicles. We don't rely on public transportation as much as other cultures do. And so other cultures are used to just like slamming into a car. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's always funny when new people go on the trip and you kind of watch their faces as we're loading into the land cruisers. You're like, okay, three on this side, three on this side. That's good. Yeah. And then we wind up with like six on each side. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we just slam in there. And and, and the yeah. cool thing was I never, and it was hot. It was a hundred degrees yeah. when we got to load war mm -hmm. and you know, a hundred out in the desert, but it was, there was a strong wind. Yeah. Most it's of it's the always time. quite breezy because there's not a lot of trees, but I, I never felt like we were compacted so much that it was hot and sweaty and stinky. It, it never felt that way. Yeah. You get the, you know, keep the windows open and yeah, you do get a nice breeze. And even explaining it to Jackson prior to like growing up in Texas, we had hundred degree weather all the time. But 100 degrees in Texas and 100 degrees in Kenya is two different things right. because Kenya is on the equator. Literally, the equator runs just north, I believe, of Nairobi. Um, so you're 100 degrees and you're literally closer to the sun. Yeah. So the UV index is is higher. So it is a different kind of hot. Um, and you evaporate. You perspire <laughs> quite a bit more. Um, but yeah – Actually, getting in the trucks makes it kind of nice because you get a breeze. You know, you open all the windows. I would always joke in when we get in the car, I'm like, hey, let's get that AC going. And people are like, AC? I'm like, like that means move. <laughs> Got good air flowing through here. Um, yeah, it's not too bad. I, like I was joke. I said to you, there was a trip in, I think it was in 2020. It might have been 19, where we went out to the farthest village. It was over a three-hour ride. Mm. I think the longest one we did was like an hour two. and 45, yeah. two hours. Mm -hmm. So it was an over a three hour ride. And when we got there, they gave us a goat, which was a huge honor mm. uh, because that is a, you know, if you have goats, you are rich. And so they gave us a goat. And I just remember thinking, okay, there's eight or nine of us in this thing <laughs> in the back. Where the <laughs> heck is this goat going? And I didn't know if we were going to kill it and like throw it on the top or what, but Moses, who runs the House of Hope and and really is is kind of the, the leader of all of our churches there, who works for Serve. No, he just brought that goat inside the back with us, and just <laughs> he laid right there. So it's I've been back there with eight to ten people and a goat yeah. before. Yeah, um, I didn't get so to experience the goat. No, it's an adventure. Uh, it was really cool, but we we get there. So kind of let's go through this because you know we've been talking about going. There, there are certain things that happened that were remarkable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I left kind of with the, you know, what, what's God going to show me? Yeah. What, what's the why? And he showed me the why 10 times over, yeah. <laughs> 20 times over. Yeah. Um, but the first day that we got there, well, actually the next morning, mm -hmm. you preached at a Nairobi megachurch. Yeah. And this was a new thing. Um, uh, speaking of new thing, actually, our one of our, Church Planning Partners, New Thing Network, um, they do a lot of work there in connecting pastors. And we've been, uh, that's our church planning network here is affiliated with. And so I've, I've gotten connected with um, some pretty prominent pastors in Nairobi, um, several churches there, Nairobi Chapel, another one named Mavuno. This church was a, <clears throat> a church called Deliverance Church. And last year, um, I had a guy from new thing, uh, connect me and one of our church plant or churches here, cross point city, uh, in Cartersville, James Griffin. Um, the, the pastor from deliverance church was here in the States and, and asked if we wanted to meet. And so we set up a meeting. I think this was last November and, uh, met with him. And that's when I first met him, got to know him and just told him, you know, what we were doing there in Kenya. And he was just blown away, um, by that. And then offered for me to come or for us to come. It was kind of funny. Like 
offered for our, our team to attend church on Sunday, which was great because we don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to our churches in Lodwar, but we don't normally attend another church in Nairobi. And so we had made that schedule to go there on that Sunday morning. Well, then about a month ago, he texted me. And I don't think we said this on here last time. I don't remember. But he texted me. He was like, hey, it would be great if you could just like, you know, encourage our church a little bit. So in my mind, I'm thinking like in one of the services, I'll stand up for five minutes, mm-hmm. kind of tell them who we are yeah. and that kind of stuff. And I was like, sure, I can do that. How long? He was like, oh, about 40 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you want to preach a sermon? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of a backdoor way of asking me to preach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really incredible. I mean, it was rough because we get, we landed at about midnight. We left here on a Friday afternoon, about three, four o'clock. We had flight issues. One of our flights got, we got moved, half of our group got moved to another flight, which then put one of our groups going through Paris, another one going through Amsterdam. So from the jump, right. like our, our, it was just, it was just wild. So our group got split up. So we got into Nairobi Saturday night and, you know, it's eight hours ahead. So time changed. So we didn't get to our hotel till midnight or 1 a.m., you and I were rooming together then, and I think we went to bed at one thirty at least that morning. And and I took you know uh, some melatonin trying to go to sleep, and just couldn't sleep. But then we had to wake up at you know seven in the morning, mm-hmm. and I had to go preach. And I think I got like two hours of sleep. Yep. Um, and they were more for, a little bit more formal as a church than we are. So I had a suit. You oh, you look good in that suit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Suit and tie. It was funny on uh, we, and, and folks listening, you know, please encourage Pastor Jason to wear a suit every Sunday. <laughs> no, no, please do not. I mean, I will say I enjoy a nice suit. Uh-huh. You know, I enjoy. You know, it's nice to dress up. Uh, so that was fun, but there, I mean, it's crazy hot. Yes, the church doesn't have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Three thousand people. They have three gatherings on a Sunday morning. They have a seven a.m., a nine thirty, and a noon. Their church is two hours long. An overflow tent with 500 people in it. Yes. So we went to the middle gathering at 930. And it was funny that morning for our devotional as a group, I was already in my suit. You were in yours. And Jack and I had my AirPods in and my sunglasses on. And Jackson goes, Dad, you look like you're a rich businessman. Um, (laughs) He was like, you just got this whole look going on, like suit, glasses, AirPods. I was like, well, thanks, I guess. You know. Uh, so yeah, we roll in there. Our team rolls in there at church, and I mean, it was just an incredible worship experience. It, um, it was, it was, and that was that. That I think that was the first moment that God said, "Okay, this is what I want to. I want you to see this." Yeah, and you know, I've always felt that since I got saved almost seventeen years ago, that you know, I've, I've had a a pretty good run on top of the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just feel this joy all the time, mm-hmm. but I got to witness joy that I have not seen in a long time Yeah, in that worship service. Mm-hmm. So that, that was really cool. Yeah. And I don't remember who said this originally, but Dan Merrifield, who runs the ministry in Haiti that we support has been a part of our church for a long time. He actually told me the very first time he went to Haiti, um, this quote. And he said, you know, here in America, we always just think of poverty as physical poverty. Um, and when we go to a third world country, we look at them and we just think they're in poverty. Mm-hmm. But he said, there's another kind of poverty and the spiritual poverty. And he said, what, well, when you go to another culture like that, you see physical poverty, but then you realize they're spiritually rich. Mm-hmm. They're physically poor, but mm-hmm. they're spiritually yeah. rich. And then you look at our culture and you realize we're physically rich, but we're spiritually poor. Mm -hmm. So there's two different kinds of poverty. They have physical poverty. Mm -hmm. We really do have a dearth of spiritual poverty. And so when you go to a culture like that, and I mean, even riding in to this church, I mean, it's literally like in the middle of a part of the city. Um, I mean, homes all around, and I say homes, I mean, not what we think of homes, like I mean, it's third world, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I mean, there's some buildings there, but there might be thousands of people living in this one building. I mean, just think of the worst kind of 70s 
Section 8 apartments you can imagine, mm-hmm. but worse than that. You know, so literally thousands, tens, hundreds of thousands of people living in this area that we would consider like a slum, but it's not a slum. Yeah. According to their standards. Mm-hmm. And, but then you pull up and there's this big church, you know, that seats 3,000, three or 4,000 people. And, and lots of churches. Yeah. It's not like there's one church. No, no. I mean, Nairobi, I mean, Kenya is a majority Christian country, which is great. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, it's a, an, inf- it's an influential country in Africa mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, but Christianity has, has really taken a foothold there, which is amazing to see. So yeah, there's a lot of great churches, but yeah, there's just this joy because again, they don't have a lot else, you know, like church and Jesus is the thing. Mm-hmm. And so they're desperate, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they they just have a worship that we, I don't want to say we lack, like, again, not to be critical of our culture, because sure. we don't want to just return and do that. But when you're in a culture of people where you realize they don't have on the surface a lot to be thankful for, but yeah, they're super thankful. Mm-hmm. They're super joyful because they've realized a spiritual richness, again, that we haven't yet. So it was a, an incredible worship gathering. Um, music went on for over an hour. Uh, and obviously it's African. And so it's going to be very musical. It's going to be very movemental, you know? And so um, I was super excited for that just because I'd watched several of their gatherings. Um, but they had a huge choir up there. They had dancers up there, uh, a great band up there. At least 40 people in the choir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and when I say choir, it's not people in robes just kind of sitting there with a hymn. I mean, they were you know, moving, get singing. I mean, just incredibly joyful, like you said. And everybody, 3,000 people and lots of babies yeah. and lots of kids. And they were just dancing and smiling and singing. Yeah. Um, I, I was just so encouraged by yeah. that. Yeah, it was incredible. And it was better than even, and just, again, even like they saying our God is greater, you know, which yeah. we know, mm-hmm. but they remixed it and put a different, you know, twist to it, obviously different music to it. Um, We've already sent that to Pastor Thad. Yeah, we did. Yeah, (laughs) we showed it even yesterday in one of our meetings. And I mean, the mix-wise online is not great, uh, but you just see Mm -hmm. that. So it was an incredible thing. And then, yes, I got the chance to speak, which was intimidating. I mean, you know, obviously I speak for a living, but, you know, when you're speaking at a new church, that's new to you and you don't know the people mm-hmm. that's tough. But then when it's a different culture, mm-hmm. that's tough. And they speak English and Swahili, they'll go back and forth. And so I was able to speak English. I didn't have to have a translator cause that's the worst mm-hmm. having to have a translator, but you know, you don't know like what's funny and what's not funny, what's inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I tried to keep it, you know, uh, pretty even killed. Um, and then I studied what they've been going through. So they have a theme based yeah. on Isaiah 41 uh, called Thresh in the Mountains. And so I talked about that. And then just the whole idea of discipleship, how God makes us. Um, so it was an incredible experience. And in fact, I was just talking with Pastor Oscar earlier. Uh, he sent me a picture of me preaching with the <laughs> suit on. Um, so it was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. And that was a great way, even though, we didn't get much sleep. It was a great way to kick it off. It, it was. Know? It was. Now, it was, it was a great message, and and maybe you couldn't tell from the stage, but you know, from sitting in the congregation, people were very responsive. What I did notice was that almost everyone had a journal. Yeah. Almost everyone was taking notes. Yeah. Almost everyone had their Bible open yeah. and, and not on their phone. Nothing wrong with having it on your phone yeah. or, or your mobile device. Because yeah, they all have phones. Yeah. It's not that they don't have phones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was really cool. And you would make a point, and it wasn't like up on the screen point. Yeah. You would make a point, and you would look around, and everybody's like, oh, that was good. Yeah. And, and they're writing it down. Yeah. Lots of amens. Um, so that was a, a great experience. And, and, to juxtapose that with the church experiences we had in um, Turkana was remarkable. Yeah. Because whether there was uh, somebody wearing a suit or somebody just wearing sandals mm-hmm. and a robe, mm-hmm. uh, that 
they fashioned out of whatever fabric they had in the middle of absolutely nowhere, yeah, there was still that same joy. Still the same joy. Yeah. yeah and again, a part of it is cultural. Like I said, you know, African um, culture is very rhythmic and very musical. Um, but you see at the same time, yeah, they, they're not just doing it because it's their culture to do it. They're doing it because they do have joy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, on Sunday we were in Nairobi Monday. Um, that was another thing we were supposed to fly out Monday afternoon at two, uh, to Lodwar, which is about a two hour flight. Um, well that flight got canceled. Then mm-hmm. we had to fly out at six on Monday morning. So it was two straight mornings of very early. You know, I think we left the hotel at like four forty five yep. to get to the other airport. Yep. Um, so that was rough. Um, and then we went to Lodwar, um, which like you said, is up in the northwest part of Kenya. And that is where the House of Hope is. And then from Lodwar, we go out to our churches in mm-hmm. the villages. So we did we were there in Lodwar from Monday till Friday. And it really is a unique experience. You know, when you go on a mission trip, those of you that have gone, you know, typically you're going to go and you either like build something or you, you do something like, you know, VBS or, you know, children's church kind of stuff, or you help missionaries with whatever they need. This trip is, is a little bit different in that we're not necessarily going to complete a project for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really going twofold one to relationally connect, um, with the kids of house of hope, which, which was amazing. Yeah. Which so many people in our church sponsor to encourage them. And then two, like this time we dedicated our fifth revolution church there. Uh, we had just built a building there. Um, and so we wanted to dedicate that. And then we go out to other churches and villages, um, which we go out and take food. So we also packed out food on mm-hmm. Sunday after church. A quarter million meals. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of work and <laughs> in the warehouse. It gets hot. Um, and so we go out to the villages. We take food. We take serve food. Um, and then we get to, I think we saw three of our churches. Um, yeah, we saw, no, four. 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 Um, I forgot about the, the night uh, when we, they showed the Jesus film. So we get to go out to our churches, see them, and and then they we hold like a worship gathering, mm-hmm. and then we pass out food. And for those of you who have been, know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, like we roll up into a church, um, and depending upon the church, I mean, there's at least a couple hundred people there, yep. you know, 150 to up to 300 or so, depending upon how big the village is. And 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 this is a part of testament a, a testament to serve. They've been going there for years mm-hmm. and feeding people in the villages. So the whole strategy is, serve will go out into these villages, um, start feeding people because they don't have food, and then they'll do that weekly, and then over time help them understand like, hey, we're coming because of God, and and not just like we don't want you to love us as an organization. You know, this is serve we want you to realize God is coming to you. Mm-hmm. And so then they'll do evangelism. They'll show the Jesus film. People will come to Christ. Um, and then we try to dig a well. So they have water there um, and then plant a church. And that's really where we help. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we as a church support serve. Um, and a lot of people in our church support serve. And so that kind of helps the the daily operations of serve happen. But then we as a church pay for, the churches and we pay for the salaries of the pastors at all the churches. Um, so we get to go see the church and then have a worship gathering with the people. And so when we roll up, there's hundreds of people there. We go inside and they'll sing some songs, Mm -hmm. you know, and they'll bring people in and they have some choirs or, you know, typically the older ladies first and then the younger ones, um, which you probably didn't realize this, but typically that's, a little bit longer than it was on this trip. Mm-hmm. I think Moses cut it short because it was hot. Yeah. But typically that's about a 45 minute thing. This time it was only about 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I noticed it ended pretty quick Yeah, and I was like, Oh, okay. Well maybe, maybe it's different now. Okay. Yeah. I think again, it was hot. We were on a tighter schedule, I think, but typically mm-hmm. those are about 30 to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it's a longer thing. Yeah. And, and I want, I want you to picture, we're, we're not talking about a village that has, streets and 
and houses and you know little shops and it's not no. that kind of village. Uh, if you have been to the American Southwest mm-hmm. and you are driving for hours and you're not seeing anything, okay, so that's picture that. Yeah, and then every mile or so, there's just a thatched hut. Yes, that's a village. Yes, and. So people, these hundreds of people at each one of these churches, they are coming from miles and miles walking through the desert in 100-degree weather Mm -hmm. to get to Mm -hmm. a metal building that is, what, uh, 50 by 100? No, I think they're they're about – I think the average size is about a 30 by 70. Okay, 30 by – so Somewhere in that range. um, So about 2,000 square feet. Yeah. And it's just a, a metal roof and metal sides, metal sides yeah. on on dirt. On dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not talking about anything elaborate. No. no. But the joy was elaborate. Mm-hmm. The joy was extravagant. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one of the things that I noticed, especially with the older people, how how warmly we were received. Oh yeah. And just the hugs and the joy in their mm-hmm. face mm-hmm. and. Um, I'll I'll never forget the the the, the embraces yeah. that we got at, at these churches, mm-hmm. and and you know normally if it's a hundred degrees here in Georgia, you, you don't want to hug anybody. No, no. <laughs> I, I wanted to hug everybody yeah. there. I got married in January because ain't nothing romantic about sweating. No, I don't want to <laughs> hug nobody. No, it really is amazing, and you know again, like and you're exactly right. Like Lodwar as a city is itself is very remote. Mm-hmm. Like even my, my pastor friend in Nairobi from deliverance church, I told him we were going to Lodwar and he said, I've never been to Lodwar. Yeah. And he was blown away that we were going to Lodwar. We met people on the plane and they said, Hey, where are you going? And we would say Lodwar and they're like, Ooh, why would you go there? Yeah. So even people who live in Kenya don't go there mm-hmm. because it's way up there. And again, just before the last couple of years, there wasn't a paved road and there are bandits mm-hmm. yeah. on the road that'll attack you. So it's literally in the middle of nowhere, but the villages are out from Lodwar. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you're exactly right. We would take an hour, sometimes two hour trip in these land cruisers out into the desert uh, <clears throat> and kind of going, we went east one day towards Lake Turkana. We went west one day towards Uganda. We went north one day. Um, to South Sudan. Towards South Sudan. And and then one day we went kind of southeast. So literally kind of every direction out from Lodwar, mm-hmm. hours away. And these people that live out there, they don't even go to Lodwar. Yeah. Because they, why would they? Mm-hmm. I mean, it would take them a couple of days walk and they don't have money. And so they literally just live out in the desert in grass, like you said, huts that they put together and they, and people are like, how do they live out there? Like, well, they don't, it's not like they have to pay to live. They're mm-hmm. just trying to survive right. and get food however they can. And that's what, why the ministry of serve is so important because it's a consistent food source. It's a, it's a registered food. It's really good and nutritious. Um, and it really helps them. I mean, honestly not die, mm-hmm. you know? So it's an amazing thing from that sense. But yeah, a lot of people in the villages back to your point about the embrace a lot of them have never seen white people before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Swahili phrase is Mazungo, uh, which means white people. But for them, it's uh, it's not a derogatory thing, mm-hmm. you know, because again, most Mazungus that come are there to help, right. you know, and do something. Um, so they love, um, and serve been, again, been doing that for a long time. And Moses and a lot of the local leaders there, uh, they understand why we're there. And they're so grateful that we're there. And so that's part of it. Why, you know, it's just that sense of like, you came to us, you came mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. us. Um, so it's always amazing every time we get to take a team to experience that because yeah, these are people that live in the middle of nowhere. Um, very rough, you know, um, I mean, they're very colorful in their dress and stuff, but it's very hard mm-hmm. You know, it's very rough. They're beaten down by the sun it's very dirty and dusty. There's no grass, you know, so it's a rough people. Um, and then you walk up and they're just like embracing you, mm-hmm. you know, it really is quite amazing. Um, and I just love it because it encourages my faith, but I love it, but it encourages people to see like we have a global God, 
Yeah. We worship the same God mm-hmm. and God loves these people. Um, and, and so it really builds your faith in that way, which is amazing. And then, yeah, you experience the worship, you see the joy. I mean, they make their own homemade drum, you know, yeah. with cow skin or cowhide and they're beating the drum and dancing and singing. I mean, it's just this, it's one of the most incredible experiences. Yeah. One of the churches we went to, uh, the drum was just a water jug yeah. and a stick <laughs> and a stick and, yeah. and, and nothing wrong with having excellent, uh, musical instruments no, and things like that. Uh, but you know, sometimes we get caught up in, Ooh, I need an, I, we, we need a certain skin on our drum set. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they just found a jug and a stick and they're making a beat and they're praising Jesus. Yes. Praising the same Jesus that we are praising. Yes. And so that was that the sense of globe globality. Glo- globability. <laughs> Glo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Globalness. Not, any, yeah. Anything that I say this week that is incorrect, I'm just going to blame on Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we go to Lalupe, uh, where there was a, a healing service, mm-hmm. and that was pretty cool. And then we walked to an acacia tree, yeah. and, and next to the acacia tree, the villagers had dug a, a big hole, yes. put a tarp in it, filled it with water from the well that had been drilled yes. in Lulupe. And actually a lady in our church paid for that yep. well to be dug. In- incredible. Yeah. Um, and then we were supposed to baptize 30 people. Mm-hmm. And you may have seen some of the videos on social media. Well, I think we wound up baptizing 57 people. Okay. And, and they just, I knew you said it was over 50. Yeah, they just yeah. kept coming. Yeah. They just kept coming. <laughs> and and the, the water was hot, and there was ants and spiders in it. And, but Dirty. It didn't, and it, yeah. But it didn't matter. Yes. It, it didn't matter. And everybody is singing as we're baptizing. Mm-hmm. And, and it is that true public expression yeah. of their inward conversion because these are legitimate salvations. Mm-hmm. Our pastors have followed up with these people, discipling yeah. these people. And and just to have that experience was... Um, I, I don't want to throw the, the word life-changing around because yeah. I, I think that's too easy to throw around. Of course. It was encouraging to my faith Yeah, uh, to be able to, to witness that. Yeah, and I'm glad you got to do that because we've done the first time we did baptisms there, and I told you this. I don't remember if we talked about it on here, but we did it in the river. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a couple guys upstream making sure there were crocodiles weren't coming to attack us in the baptism, uh, or as we're baptizing in the river. So Steve and I were doing that, and Moses, and then also above our heads on this tree branch was this huge, a huge, um, Hornet's nest. Hornet, a bee's nest, um, whatever that's called. And yeah, like huge bees, like killer bees. So we were trying really hard not to disturb them. So from that point on, they dug it, they dig a hole yeah. in the ground, <laughs> put a tarp down, and then put water in it from the well. Um, yeah, and it was incredible. And La Lupe is a church that Serve had been working with originally uh, a long time ago, but then stopped mm-hmm. because they were so rowdy. And so, you know, unsaved, if you will. But then several, a couple years ago, uh, Serve started working with them again. And ju- again, just through the ministry of Serve, going back with food and sharing the Jesus film. And it's almost kind of like a revival broke out there. Um, so that was our church that we planted last year in 2022 and built a building there. So we, I hadn't seen that one yet. Mm-hmm. So even though it was built last year, but they were ready to do baptisms because our revolution church pastors mm-hmm. were coming. And so that was really cool that you got to do that. And yeah, people just surrounding this hole in the ground, wanting to see people get baptized. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. The church at Lolam Getty, which was a new building. Yeah. So, that was the one we dedicated this year. So you're able to pray over that. And uh, we got to meet all of the revolution church pastors mm-hmm. and the, church pastors that have been launched from those revolution churches. Yeah. So we got to witness multiplication mm-hmm. in a way that we talk about, you know, when we had the multiply yeah. um, initiative years ago mm-hmm. to say, Hey, someday there will be churches that don't even know the revolution name. Yeah. That don't know who Jason Curtis is. Mm-hmm. And we got to see some of those pastors. Yeah. 
they're not revolution churches, but they're planted out of a revolution church. Yeah, they just call them sister churches for right now, mm-hmm. and they don't really kind of have a name. It's just a church at a town, you know, um, and they all want to be revolution mm-hmm. churches and obviously would love for us to help them and build mm-hmm. a building. But yeah, that's one of the things that always encourages me. Um, and this isn't just true of our our churches. I mean, any, uh, I mean, uh, most African pastors I meet, um, particularly in the Eastern part, uh, you know, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Nigeria, they are just, uh, I mean, we would, we would use the word entrepreneurial here, mm-hmm. you know, they just think that way. They just think kind of apostolically, which we'll actually talk about this in the weekend, this weekend's message back in Ephesians four eleven. Um, but they just think multiplication already. And, and again, part of it is a necessity is because if they're going to reach people, they have to multiply mm-hmm. because people don't have cars. They can't, they can't travel. Like there's no like, Oh yeah, I live in Canton, but I go to church at North point or I live in Jasper, but I go to church in you know, Wood, right. first Baptist Woodstock or wherever they're not doing that there, no. you know, cause they can't afford it and they're not going to walk that far. Mm-hmm. So our pastors, what's amazing. And this was several years ago. Um, our pastors were going out to these places and we, and serve saw the need to get them motorcycles. And so all those pastors now we help raise money to buy them motorcycles so they can uh, go out to these villages like pastor Jackson, who, who pastors revolution uh, Kikiring, which was the very first one we did. He also is pastoring the newest one we just planted Lolom Gete. And so he has to travel out back and forth so he's pastoring those two churches, and the goal is to have another pastor pastor that one so he doesn't have to do that. But they just think multiplication. And so every time I go, there's new sister mm-hmm. churches. There's new churches. There, there's probably at least 10 to 12 right now um, that would are ready for us to partner with them, you know, because they've just been birthed out of our churches. Right. But it takes time, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously we, won't, we want to do it well. We don't want to just put up buildings. You know, mm-hmm. so we want to make sure those pastors are good, they're solid, you know, right. um, that we can serve the people in the villages. So, and we rely heavily on, on Moses and serve to tell us that, you know, um, cause we're not on the ground like they are all the time. But yeah, you and I and Moses got to meet with all of them back at the house of hope and, and just kind of hear their struggles. Um, and, and again, some of them were, you know, just grateful that, mm-hmm. you know, what we've done and what serve has done to help them. And then some were like one guy suffers from seizures. So we got to Epilepsy, pray. For, yeah. yeah. We got to pray for him. Um, others, you know, obviously several of them don't have a building. There's meeting under a tree. They want that. Um, but then also helping them get more training, get Bibles, mm-hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, we found out that these pastors don't even have a Bible in Turkana. No, no, because there there is a Bible that's translated in Turkana, which is amazing, but most of them can't afford one, you know. Um, and then we even asked them about getting Bibles for their churches, and they're like, well, people in our church can't read. You know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's kind of... And Moses yeah. was like, maybe we get like four or five for each church. <laughs> you know? He said, because part mm-hmm. of the discipleship is actually teaching mm-hmm. them to read. Mm-hmm. Which and we actually talked about this at our giver celebrations back in November, but Doug, who goes to our church, we call him Santa Doug. Uh, if you've seen Santa around, but he started a ministry called One Message TV, and he's gone there twice now, and he developed discipleship videos, kind of the Bible stories, and mm-hmm. he put, they put them because so many people can't read; they're oral learners, and so we paid for all of that as well. So Moses and the pastors have those access. So we're trying to even get them more technology ways to get people, you know, to know those stories. So it's some really innovative and creative stuff that's happening there. And uh, it's amazing. But yeah, getting to meet the pastors, hearing them, and you you pointed this out, which I thought was so great. It's not just we have our churches there, but these are our pastors. Like these are co-laborers with us. That was you know? That was one of the why moments yeah was to see these men who are traveling 40 50 miles yeah some some walking some yeah. some on a motorbike yeah 
in the harshest of conditions yeah. to spread the good news of Jesus. Yeah. And we are, as you said, co-laboring with them. Yeah. So to so to to see that and go, hey, we're doing the same thing. Yeah. And our conditions are nothing. Yeah. <laughs> compared to the conditions that they're doing this in and they're doing it with such great joy. So yeah. that was one of those moments. And then also at Lolam Getty, at the end of the gathering, at the end of the service, we lined up all the serve food mm-hmm. and our team handed out the serve, the bags of serve food. And mm-hmm. each bag uh, is 50 meals. 50 meals, yeah. And everybody, all of the adults came and got a bag of food. Mm-hmm. And I, it just overwhelmed me. These are our church people. Yeah. These are our, this is our church family. Yeah. When we talk about a church family, whether it's Jasper or it's one of the churches that we've planted mm-hmm. or it's the churches in Kenya, I got this picture of a Sunday here. Mm-hmm. And what if after our gathering, we went to the end of the stage and everybody lined up to get food? Yeah. That's, that's how important this is. Mm-hmm to continue supporting these churches mm-hmm. because without, without that kind of support, these people don't live. No. And, and that was, um, that was just one of those moments where it became so real, the need for us to continue doing whatever we need to do yeah. to support serve international uh, and to support these churches and these pastors mm-hmm. because we bring, we bring them. <laughs> I met a guy on the plane uh, going to Amsterdam from, from Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Coming back. Yeah. And he would consider himself spiritual. Mm. And when I was telling him what we were doing and he said, Oh, so you're uh, bringing them their, uh, their physical nourishment and then giving them their spiritual nourishment. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Both. <laughs> yes. Um, so cool stuff. Yeah, and to your point, to that point, I mean, so much of what we do here on a regular weekend is just the spiritual nourishment mm-hmm. part. Obviously, we do a lot in our communities yeah. and helping people in need, but that's not the average person that attends our church. You know, those there's definitely some of those people mm-hmm. in our church for sure, but the vast majority of people in our church don't have a problem putting food on their table. I mean, it's a little harder now with inflation, you know, yeah. and that whole other thing. But, but yeah, that's a different thing there. Mm-hmm. Everybody in our churches there need food yep. uh, and water. And, and our church and serve is helping to meet that need, not just the spiritual need. Yes. Mm-hmm. But physical as well. Mm-hmm. Then each day we went back to the house of hope Yep, and, and, you know, we've talked about the House of Hope and so many people in our church uh, sponsor mm-hmm. uh, the kids in House of Hope. There's 73 now. I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. 73 kids ranging from, you know, toddlers to high sen- school. seniors yeah. in high school. And we got to spend three or four hours every single day chilling out yeah. with these kids. And uh, the only way I could describe it when we left is that my heart was so full Yeah, from the joy and the love that these kids have. Yeah. Um, they're, uh, they're not just fed and clothed and schooled, but they are also taught this love for, um, their, their friends, their families, Mm -hmm. their, their, their church family Mm -hmm. and the people who come to visit. I, I just felt this overwhelming love totally at the house of hope. Yeah, it's really, and I said this one of the nights, because um, we have a devotional every morning mm-hmm. and every night with our team. You know, again, those that have gone on mission trips would relate to this. Like when you go on a mission trip, you normally, you know, you're with your group and then you go out and you're ministering to people, whether you're building buildings or whether you're doing things to help local missionaries. And then you come back you know, wherever you're staying with your group and then you eat dinner, clean up, and then you have a debrief. That's your normal Mm -hmm. kind of schedule. What's unique about this trip um, in the ministry that serve is doing there is there's an extra layer. You know, we have our time together as a group where we eat breakfast in the morning. We go out to our churches 
But before we get back together at night ourselves, we have a couple hours at the House of Hope, and mm-hmm. it's built into the schedule. One, because it's such a ministry to the kids at the House of Hope, because yes, a lot of our church people sponsor them, but it's such an encouragement to them. But two, it becomes such an encouragement for us, mm-hmm. where we get this huge relational connection. And again, those have been on mission trips, especially if you're doing something like inner city or somewhere and you're doing like a VBS, you get to know those kids, even at mission camp, our kids that go to mission camp, they do a lot of stuff with uh, boys and girls clubs and that kind of stuff. We get to know those kids Mm -hmm. like over the week, but this is different than that because the house of hope is used to having teams come in. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like day one, they bond with you and connect with you. And they're very affectionate and they want to hug you and get to know you. And like for Lindsay and I, we've been there four times. Right. And so they remember us Yep. Um, and we get to see them and our kids that we sponsor, we get to talk to. And so it's, it is like a family reunion for mm-hmm. them and for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most special things about this trip, even though we're not like doing work at the house of hope, um, we're just hanging there and yeah. you get ministered to and get to minister to the kids. So it's a really, really special part of the, of a trip that just doesn't happen yeah. on most trips. And and a couple of the younger guys, including Jackson, your son played soccer and football and uh, tennis and w- whatever, whatever, whatever they could play for hours, yes. for hours in hundred degree weather. Yeah. And uh, just seeing the kids have fun. There, there was, uh, there are a couple of pictures that I took there must have been eight kids sitting on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love our phones. Hanging yeah, on your shoulders yeah. and um, could not get enough of you and Lindsay. And uh, there was this one 14-year-old boy. His name is Julius. And um, so I started calling him Doc for Julius Irving. Doc, oh, yeah. Dr. J. Dr. J. And um, very soft-spoken. Yeah. Uh, but by the end of the week, you know, there were conversations we were having about his life and what he wanted to do. He wants Mm -hmm. to be a neurosurgeon. And uh, so there is this bonding that happens. There was a three-year-old and I don't, I don't know if he even recognized me, you know, at the, at the end of the trip, but we, we got together every, every single day Mm -hmm. and his his name was Olimlim Mm -hmm. and he had had the same heart defect that my wife has. Mm and uh, born with a hole in their heart. Yeah. And he had to have surgery. And my wife, uh, Leanna, it is a miracle. I mean, she she is a, a miracle baby mm-hmm. that when she was six months old, they detected this hole in her heart, and they were going to take her to Birmingham, uh, up from the big city of Dothan, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they went to their church. Uh, her mom took her to a church in Webb, Alabama, a little country Baptist church and everybody held her and, and held her up to God Mm. and prayed over her. They took her to Birmingham the next day, the hole was gone. Mm. So that's a very short way to describe what happened to her. She still had to have heart surgery Mm. and has a, a a big scar on her back, but there was this immediate connection with a three-year-old that was just running around so happy. I don't even think he knows that he had surgery. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, you definitely couldn't tell. Um, so uh, we we did talk about this, and the serve is going to open up some more sponsorships. Yeah. So we'll talk about that as as a church mm-hmm. in the future. But a remarkable experience, all in all. Yeah, it, it's incredible. Again, you know, and you can't meet obviously every need everywhere. Um, but all of my pastor friends, we we talk about this. You know, we want to do ministry from a longevity perspective, pick a place. And all of us have kind of, you know, obviously we have our places here, mm-hmm. you know, locally, Canton, Jasper, you know, other pastors where they live. But then they also have kind of national and international places where they mm-hmm. make long-term investments. Yeah. And that's what I love about what what God is doing with Serve and Revolution is a long-term investment. And we keep going back and investing in the same People and pastors like Lindsay is connected with Pastor Jackson's wife, who yep. he's kind of the bishop over all the mm-hmm. other pastors. So Lindsay got to spend time with her, and she hasn't seen her in four years, mm-hmm. and just encourage her. Mm-hmm. And we got to meet with the pastors and the kids and the churches. So yeah, it really is an amazing 
you get to see the fruit over time, yeah. you know, and that's, what's really cool about it is we've been making an investment there. Us as a church since 2017, uh, serve has been there for 15 years. Um, so it's an amazing thing, kind of see that grow and evolve over mm-hmm. time and, and just to see, see the kids grow up, see more kids come in. Um, so yeah, like you said, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't help your heart being full. Yeah. And that was what, for us, Lindsay and I, Jackson getting to go with us, you know, he's 20. We've been talking about him going. And obviously we went, wanted him to have, and I think every parent should want this for their kids, like an international, you know, church experience, mm-hmm. you know, like seeing God work in other places, which is important. Um, so we've been wanting that for Jackson. But, yeah, to see him connect with one of the kids, William, there at the House of Hope, and they became like – Oh, they were so close. Thick as thieves, yeah. you know. And Jackson always wanted a brother, and so now they kind of consider each other brothers. And William was a kid that was selling brooms at three years old. Mm-hmm. And um, he lived with his grandmother, but, he, I mean, she couldn't take care of him really because right. he was having to sell brooms to help make money at mm. three. And now he's at the House of Hope. And and so that's just amazing. And And so we had an incredible time. Everybody on our team loved it. And we'll talk more about this in our church. We'll show a recap video and then, yeah, talk about sponsorships. But when we talk about these things at our church, know that it is making a difference yes. in people's lives. Literally, um, as Lindsay said, I mean, to us, that's the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's on the other side of the world. And uh, so it's really amazing to to know that God is working there and he gives us the privilege to be a part of it. Mm. Uh, you mentioned briefly that we went out to one of the – uh, churches, Revolution Church, Kikiring. Yeah, we went there in, at night. Yes, uh, so an hour out into the desert at night. Yeah, and that's when things come alive in the desert. <laughs> you don't see scorpions, scorpions and, and snakes and, and, and snakes in the in the middle of the day, but uh, there, there was a full moon, so yeah. we were able we were able to see. And they showed the Jesus film in Turkana. Yeah, and there was a, a young man sitting next to me on this metal bench in the middle of nowhere during this Jesus film, and he starts talking to me and. Uh, it took me a little while. He was translating the movie for me, mm. and and he would yeah, he had seen it so many times. Yeah, he knew it was um, coming. And I and I said, how how do you know all this? And he goes, Well, I want to be an associate pastor here. <laughs> I was like, How do you even know the term associate pastor? <laughs> yeah. And so he was translated the Jesus film. It was so cool, so cool. And uh, hard long trip back. Yes. Um, many still waking up at 3 a.m. Yeah. Going to bed at eight. Yeah. Many, many hours on, on planes and different vehicles on different roadways, but absolutely worth it. Somebody said to me when I got back, would you go back? I said in a second, absolutely in a second. So, um, thanks for letting us share just a a fraction of the experiences, but we want, we want our church to understand, like you said, making a difference. I think the best way to wrap this up would be to share, uh, if you can, your devotional Saturday night, mm. because it had, it had such an impact on, on all of us, but especially me to be reminded of the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can definitely do that. Um, Steve, the founder and leader of serve every time on these trips, you know, we have meetings prior to, mm-hmm. and, and he talks about, you know, just having your yes on the table. And you know, obviously people said yes to God going yep. on this trip and, and just kind of keeping that mentality when you, while we're there, just mm-hmm. say, say yes, yes, you know, and then at the same time when you come home. And so the, we were supposed to do my, I was supposed to do my devotional Thursday night, the night we went out to Kikiring and watched the Jesus film, but we got back late. And so we didn't do it that night. And so Steve said, Hey, won't you do it the last night? You know, yeah, there, there was, we would always do the devotional and then, uh, Heather who yeah. goes to our church, who works for serve would then go around the group yeah. and, and ask the question, where did you see Jesus today? Yeah. And Thursday night, it was just late. We were tired. It was an exhausting day. And I said, Hey, just, just want to let you know, nobody saw Jesus anywhere today. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we we're, we're going to wrap this up and yeah. go to sleep. We all want to see Jesus at the pillow. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Saturday night, you got to share your devotional. Yeah. We left on Sunday. So that Saturday night, um, and I just felt like, and again, Steve had been talking about that and I, you know, I love those not go to our church. No, I love words and the meaning of words. And so I was doing some research on that 
on the meaning. Uh, I was just wondering what the name Kenya meant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kenya didn't become an official country to the 60s. And the name comes from a tribe. There's Mount Kenya, which is just north of Nairobi. It's a very tall mountain. It's not Kilimanjaro, which is south. Mm-hmm. It's in Tanzania or Tanzania. Um, but it's still like 17,000 feet or something. Um, so the word Kenya in Swahili means mountain of whiteness because this mountain had snow on the top. Mm-hmm. And so the local tribe there, that's what they called it. So then that just kind of stuck for the name for the country. When I was looking at that and looking at the meaning of it, then I also saw the meaning of Kenya in Hebrew has a different meaning. And so I looked up that meaning and I'll say what it is in a second. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about. So the whole devotional I've made or said was, you know, Steve's been telling us, say yes to God, you know, you yes on the table. And I talked about at a second Corinthians chapter one, where one of my favorite verses where Paul says, verse 20, all the promises of God are a yes in Jesus to us. That was basically God saying yes to us. Yes. Um, but Paul's argument there to the Corinthians, if you back up to verse 15, he was supposed to go to the Corinthians and he, and he couldn't. And so there were some that were upset about that. And so Paul's kind of arguing, he's like, does that mean we say yes and no at the same time in the flesh? And his point to them was like saying, no, I, I said yes to Jesus. And when I said yes to Jesus, he gets to direct where I go, which Paul wanted to go to Corinth, mm-hmm. but God had other plans. Right. And so Paul, because Paul had said yes to Jesus, he ultimately had to say no to going to Corinth that time. So he was explaining that to them. And basically what Paul was saying is, God said yes to us and Jesus. That's why we say yes to, to Jesus. We say yes to God. So our yes is on the table. And what I was trying to say to our church is, or to our team there was live your life saying yes. Like as a pastor, and I didn't say this there, but I'll say it now since I'm talking to our whole church. One of the most frustrating things for us as a pastor is meeting with people and trying to show them, here's what God said, and they say no to it. Mm. They say, no, I don't mm-hmm. want to live my life like that. Right. Where I just don't think people understand discipleship at the end of the day is just saying yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Just saying yes. Yes. Following him. You said it, it's a yes. Yeah. You know, so I've lived my life that way. You've lived your life that way because both of us kind of got saved dramatically, mm-hmm. not knowing anything about Jesus. So my life has just been a yes. And I've told this to our church many times, you know, when Lindsay and I went on our first date, it's like, if you're not willing to live in a hut in Africa, yeah. don't marry me. Got to see the hut. You got to see the hut. <laughs> yep. You know, that's why we love it. Um, because it's a yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I'm, if it comes down to it, I'm choosing Jesus over my wife saying no. Right. You know? So anyway, that was my whole point. Well, come to find out the word Kenya in Hebrew made up of two words, Ken, which means yes. What? And then Yah, which is a shortened version of Yahweh. So the word Kenyan Hebrew means yes to God. Wow. So what I told our team was they said yes to Jesus to come to Kenya. So they said yes. But to them, it was about a place. They were saying yes to a place. But what I wanted our team to understand is, hey, when you leave here, don't say yes to a place. Say yes to a person. Say yes to God. You said yes to come to Kenya. But now let this experience of Kenya change you to say yes to God. Mm. That's what the name Kenya means in Hebrew. So to our church out there, what we're saying is say yes to God. And when you say yes to God, that may lead you to Kenya. Mm. It may lead you to Corinth. Yep. It may lead you away from there. I right. don't know. But when you say yes to God, you are, and Paul's whole argument in 2 Corinthians 1 was God said yes to you. Anything less than a yes back to him is disobedience, Yes, is a failure to understand what this whole Christian life is about. And that was Paul's whole argument was, hey, I've said yes to Jesus. And sometimes that means I don't get to come to you when I want to come to you, mm-hmm. but because I have a greater yes. Mm. So again, to our church, I think what, again, these trips show us is we're not just saying yes to go on a mission trip. We're not just saying yes right. to what we're saying yes to God. We're saying yes to God's will in our life and letting Jesus call the shots on how we live and how we, you know, live out our day-to-day lives. That's excellent. 
Excellent. Great way to to wrap up the trip. Great way to wrap up this podcast. Uh, it is March. No, no, it's, it's still it's February. The day before, day before <laughs> March. Still, yeah. it's, it's hard to believe that uh, Easter is two days before. Easter's coming up. Easter's around the corner. And one of the things we want you to say yes to is coming to an Easter gathering, not on Easter Sunday. <laughs> yeah, on Thursday, in Canton, on Thursday and Saturday, and then in Jasper, Sunday morning at 8, and, uh, just to make room. And I, I just want to encourage you. You did so great at Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. And our Christmas Saturday was the largest attended gathering in the history of Revolution Church, and it wasn't even the Christmas Eve services. Mm-mm. So uh, we have a lot of opportunities for you to come to an Easter gathering off of Easter Sunday yeah. to leave room for people who have family in on, on Easter Sunday or maybe have never been to church. Exactly. And when you give up your seat, if you normally come to 930 or 1130 and you give up your seat to let somebody else sit in your seat, they're sitting in your sacrifice. Yes. And it is a big deal. Yeah. So it's it's part of our discipleship process yes. is to disciple you to sacrifice and serve. Yeah. So yeah, say yes. Say say yes. All right, great. I think pod- that's a song, isn't it? <laughs> great say podcast. Yes. Continue. No, no, I don't okay. know the song. All right. Um, executive producer Brian Damaro. Our video technician is Neon Kian Sadiji. Our key grip Jakub Pushkovsky. And of course, uh, we are so grateful for our latest addition to our production team and our staff. Marcos is here. Marcos, great job. Um, Do you notice you never say his last name? You say everybody else's last name. You just say Marcos. I just say Marcos. Yeah. Okay. okay. I didn't know why. I don't know. It's Marcos. He, he, he should. He, he just. He's. He should just have one name. Like <laughs> like share. He's just cool enough yeah. to have a name. Yeah. yeah just one yeah, name. Just, just Marcos. Yeah. Uh, our head of doctrine and theology is theologian. Our chief evangelist is salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer is lukewarm. Our direction of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn again. Our expert on Russian eschatology, Pitoff Hell. Our director of holiness is mortification. Our staff counselor, very busy, less moody. Our giving coordinator is generosity. Our director of tithing is Tim Percent. Our nativity coordinator from France, Beth Lahem. She's French. Our co-pastors of plagues, Manny Locust and Lance Boyles. Our Irish eschatology professor is Marco the Beast. Our sabbatical director is Trip Long. Our director of marriage studies from Romania, Shizma Betterhoff. Shizma Betterhoff. Uh, our mission. Uh, our well, mission. It is good. It is. I've, I've yeah, heard it you, twenty-five times. Yeah, that's fine. So, but that, you act like every time we've never heard it. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea. <laughs> uh, our missional expert is Sam Aria. Our resident Trinitarian is Holly Spirit. Our strategist for the final battle is Irma Geddon. Irma Geddon. Um, our resident um, sheep tender. He only works in December. <laughs> is Nativity. Uh, our doctrinal security officer is Harry C. <laughs> Harry C. Our resident prayer warriors kneel down. Our Scottish church planting resident and fast food expert is Big Macintosh. And our executive director of spiritual warfare, Demonic. D. <laughs> D- Demonic. <laughs> if you don't know D, D. Um, she was uh, cast out. <laughs> Uh, the best best advice we ever had, and it, it really fits well because I think we both need one. I do. Yeah, yeah. trust God to yeah. take a nap. I and need one right now. See you next time.